Letter forty four of Clarissa Harlow, volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Clarissa Harlow, volume three, by Samuel Richardson. Letter forty four. Miss Howe to Miss Clarissa Harlow. Friday morning, April 21st. My mother will not comply with your condition, my dear. I hinted it to her, as from myself. But the Harlows, excuse me, have got her entirely in with them. It is a scheme of mine, she told me, formed to draw her into your party against your parents, which, for your own sake, she is very careful about. Don't be so much concerned about my mother and me once more, I beg of you. We shall do well enough together now a falling out now a falling in it used to be so when you were not in the question yet do i give you my sincere thanks for every line of your reprehensive letters which i intend to read as often as i find my temper rises i will freely own however that i winced a little at first reading them but i see that on every re-perusal i shall love and honour you still more if possible than before Yet I think I have one advantage over you, and which I would hold through this letter, and through all my future letters, that is, that I will treat you as freely as you treat me, and yet will never think an apology necessary to you for my freedom. But that you so think with respect to me is the effect of your gentleness of temper, with a little sketch of implied reflection on the warmth of mine. Gentleness in a woman you hold to be no fault nor do i a little due or provoked warmth but what is this but praising on both sides what that neither of us can help nor perhaps wish to help you can no more go out of your road than i can go out of mine it would be a pain to either to do so what then is in either's approving of her own natural bias but making a virtue of necessity but one observation i will add that were your character and my character to be truly drawn mine would be allowed to be the most natural shades and lights are equally necessary in a fine picture yours would be surrounded with such a flood of brightness with such a glory that it would indeed dazzle but leave one heartless to imitate it or may you not suffer from a base world for your gentleness while my temper by its warmth keeping all imposition at a distance though less amiable in general, affords me not reason, as I have mentioned heretofore, to wish to make an exchange with you. I should indeed be inexcusable to open my lips by way of contradiction to my mother, had I such a fine spirit as yours to deal with. Truth is truth, my dear. Why should narrowness run away with the praises due to a noble expansion of heart? If everybody would speak out as I do, that is to say, give praise where only praise is due, dispraise where due likewise. Shame, if not principle, would mend the world. Nay, shame would introduce principle in a generation or two. Very true, my dear. Do you apply? I dare not, for I fear you almost as much as I love you. I will give you an instance, nevertheless, which will anew demonstrate that none but very generous and noble-minded people ought to be implicitly obeyed. 
you know what i said above the truth is truth inconveniences will sometimes arise from having to do with persons of modest and scrupulousness mr hickman you say is a modest man he put your corrective packet into my hand with a very fine bow and a self-satisfied air we'll consider what you say of this honest man by and by my dear his strut was no gone off when in came my mother as i was reading it when some folks find their anger has made them considerable they will be always angry or seeking occasions for anger why now mr hickman why now nancy as i was huddling in the packet between my gown and my stays at her entrance you have a letter brought you this instant while the modest man with his pausing brayings madame madame looked as if he knew not whether to fight it out or to stand his ground and see fair play it would have been poor to tell a lie for it she flung away i went out at the opposite door to read the contents leaving mr hickman to exercise his white teeth upon his thumbnails when i had read your letters i went to find out my mother i told her the generous contents and that you desired that the prohibition might be adhered to i proposed your condition as for myself and was rejected as above she supposed she was finely painted between two young creatures who had more wit than prudence and instead of being prevailed upon by the generosity of your sentiments made use of your opinion only to confirm her own and renewed her prohibitions charging me to return no other answer but that she did renew them adding that they should stand till your relations were reconciled to you hinting as if she had engaged for as much and expected my compliance i thought of your reprehensions and was meek though not pleased and let me tell you my dear that as long as i can justify my own mind that good is intended and that it is hardly possible that evil should ensue from our correspondence as long as i know that this prohibition proceeds originally from the same spiteful minds which have been the occasion of all these mischiefs as long as i know that it is not your fault if your relations are not reconciled to you and that upon conditions which no reasonable people would refuse you must give me leave with all deference to your judgment and to your excellent lessons which would reach almost every case of this kind but the present to insist upon your writing to me and that minutely as if this prohibition had not been laid it is not from humour from perverseness that i insist upon this i cannot express how much my heart is in your concerns and you must in short allow me to think that if i can do you service by writing i shall be better justified in continuing to write than my mother is in her prohibition but yet to satisfy you all i can i will as seldom return answers while the interdict lasts as may be consistent with my notions of friendship and with the service i owe you and can do you as to your expedient of writing by hickman and now my dear your modest man comes in and as you love modesty in that sex i will do my endeavour by holding him at a proper distance to keep him in your favour i know what you mean by it my sweet friend it is to make that man significant with me as to the correspondence that shall go on i do assure you be as scrupulous as you please 
so that that will not suffer if i do not close with your proposal as to him i must tell you that i think it will be honour enough for him to have his name made use of so frequently betwixt us this of itself is placing a confidence in him that will make him walk bolt upright and display his white hand and his fine diamond ring and most mightily lay down his services and his pride to oblige and his diligence and his fidelity and his contrivances to keep our secret and his excuses and his evasions to my mother when challenged by her with fifty annas beside and will it not moreover give him pretence and excuse oftener than ever to padnag it hither to good mrs howe's fair daughter but to admit him into my company tete-a-tete -tete, and into my closet as often as i would wish to write to you i only dictate to his pen my mother all the time supposing that i was going to be heartily in love with him to make him master of my sentiments and of my heart as i may say when i write it to you indeed my dear i won't nor were i married to the best he in england would i honour him with the communication of my correspondences no my dear it is sufficient surely for him to parade in the character of our letter conveyor and to be honoured in a cover and never fear but modest as you think him he will make enough of that you are always blaming me for want of generosity to this man and for abuse of power but i profess my dear i cannot tell how to help it do dear now let me spread my plumes a little and now and then make myself feared this is my time you know since it would be no more to my credit than to his to give myself those airs when i am married he has a joy when i am pleased with him that he would not know but for the pain my displeasure gives him men no more than women know how to make a moderate use of power is not that seen every day from the prince to the peasant if i do not make hickman quake now and then he will endeavour to make me fear all the animals in the creation are more or less in a state of hostility with each other the wolf that runs away from a lion will devour a lamb the next moment i remember that i was once so enraged at a game chicken that was continually pecking at another a poor humble one as i thought him that i had the offender caught and without more ado in a pet of humanity wrung his neck off what followed this execution why that the other grew insolent as soon as his insulter was gone and was continually pecking at one or two under him peck and be hanged said i i might as well have preserved the first for i see it is the nature of the beast excuse my flippancies i wish i were with you i would make you smile in the midst of your gravest airs as i used to do oh that you had accepted my offer to attend you but nothing that i offer will you accept take care you will make me very angry with you and when i am you know i value nobody for dearly as i love you i must be and cannot always help it your saucy anna howe end of letter forty four